And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 349. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris, and I'm your host, and we're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin. All others are fake, and a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. All right, so before we get started this week, I just wanted to do three little shout-outs. We have a, a few new members of the Radio Free Asgard Facebook group. It's been a while since I've actually recounted new members, but it's also been kind of you know stable membership. We haven't had a lot of new people joining. So uh, first of all, a quick uh, welcome to uh, Jesus Velasquez. I believe that's how that's pronounced, and uh, Jesus is a uh, rock and roll musician, uh, so that's way cool. And then, of course, we have uh, Dwayne Vogel, who has joined. I thought Dwayne was already a member, but I guess not. Um, so anyway, welcome along, Dwayne, and I uh, hope you enjoy the group. And of course, a very special shout out to my uh, cousin, Benjamin Millinen, who uh, just started the show uh, back at episode number one. I have no idea if he's going to continue listening to the whole series, but if he does, I feel real sorry for him. <laughs> There's a lot to go through. All right. So um, has anybody seen Spider-Man Far From Home? Yeah. I I'm, I feel like I want to do a, a little mini review, but I'm going to do it in a couple weeks after after the, the furor has died down a little bit. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but I, I you know, just saw that the other night, and uh, Pete and I really enjoyed it. So if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. And Maybe we'll talk about it in a few episodes from now. In the meantime, we actually have the penultimate issue of Hercules Unbound to cover. So let's go ahead and move along to our review. Hercules, hero of song and story, Hercules, winner of ancient glory, fighting for the right, fighting with his might, with the strength of ten ordinary men, Hercules, people are safe when near him, Hercules, only the evil fear him, softness in his eyes, iron in his thighs, virtue in his heart, fire in every part of the mighty. Iron in his thighs, indeed. And this week we are looking at Hercules Unbound, issue number 11. July of 1977 was the cover date. 35 cents was the cover price. Cover art is by Walt Simonson, and it appears that Simonson inked himself here and shows Hercules in an all-new costume. We'll talk a little bit about that inside, um, but it's a very... Kirby-esque new gods sort of looking costume, maybe keeping in line with this whole great disaster Kirby thing is what I kind of what I'm thinking here. They're trying to tie it more closely together with the other uh, Kirby verse stuff that is going on. And Hercules is drawing back as though he's about to strike this enormous monster. I, I would say it looks like a fire breathing dragon, but it kind of just looks like a fire breathing tyrannosaur. 
So I'm not really sure what it'll be inside, but we'll find out anyway. And then, uh, of course, Jennifer is in her Daisy Duke outfit, and she's kind of cowering at, at Hercules' feet, trying to get away from this fire-breathing thing. And the cover blurb says, Now, the secret that can destroy the man-god. Pitiful sails is my guess. But anyway, uh, we open up to the splash page, and we have a very close shot here of Hercules apparently looking in the mirror, uh, or he's looking straight at the viewer and, and getting feedback from the viewer. Uh, we have, um, it's apparently like a, a steel mill, and I think it probably tells us more inside. We have a couple of the Atomic Knights here. Uh, we have Kevin in the background and Jennifer, and uh, Hercules is just kind of showing off, and he's got this sort of stylized H thing on his chest, which does actually remind me a little bit of the uh, Mighty Hercules uh, TV show. And he's got this weird sort of sick cat-looking thing on his belt, like a, the skull of a of a cartoon cat on his belt, which is very odd. But anyway, one of the Atomic Knights is saying, it looks sensational, my friend. And the other Atomic Knight says, that incredible ore you fused together with your strength produced a new metal, so your armor is impervious to just about anything. Well, nice of them to uh, provide our exposition for us. And it says here, until now, all the car assembly plants in Detroit have been cold and dark. Ah, that explains where they are. The prevailing condition in most cities since the outbreak of World War III many months ago. But today, one of the smelters has been rekindled to forge a new look for the mighty Hercules, just in time for him to confront the dark side of the gods. And dark side is not spelled like the Kirby character, though you would think it would be, looking at this uh, very Kirby-ish design. And we move on, and uh, Hercules is uh, talking to the blind kid, Kevin, and he's saying, uh, what do you think of the suit of armor our friends the Atomic Knights forged for me, Kevin? And Kevin says, it looks, if you'll excuse the expression, super, um, like he can see it. Um, is he still blind? I know I, he was still blind at the end of last issue, I'm pretty sure. And what say you, Jennifer, says Hercules, do you find my new look pleasing? And she's like, well... Hercules, behind you. And she looks up and the um, the giant, I don't know, what do they call it? The giant bucket that they keep the molten steel in uh, is starting to break and it's starting to, to drip uh, molten metal down. And Kevin says, the molten metal is starting to burn through the vat. And that's what it, it uh, is doing. Anyway, it says, do something, Herc, before we all turn up fatally bronzed. And they're running away. And yeah, so the thing is melting and uh, Hercules says, I see the problem and perhaps this loose girder can rectify the situation by keeping the vat from overturning. And he takes a uh, girder and he props it up against the, the thing so it doesn't uh, spill. And somebody's saying, uh, push harder, Hercules. I'm going to assume it's Kevin. He says, hmm, simple for you to say. But the man-god's repressible strength proves too much for the rusted and overwrought foundry works to endure. And the whole roof assembly, including the giant bucket of molten metal and all that stuff, comes falling down. And Hercules is chasing everybody out of the way. He's like, run for cover! And it says, And as the Atomic Knights, Gardner and Douglas, do their best to catch up with Hercules and his young friends. And it all comes crashing down. And, of course, uh, one of the Atomic Knights, you know, has kind of got a very important question to ask while this molten metal is spilling down all around them. Which car factory was this, Gardner? <laughs> 
I don't even remember, says Gardner. But Detroit's big three just became the big two. And says, once outside the range of the fiery destruction. And Gardner uh, saying, uh, Hercules, my friend, has anyone ever remarked that you don't even know your own strength? Several of my foes have uttered thus, says Hercules. Now several of your friends are itching to get back into the flying wing and ditch this scene, says Kevin. Kevin seems to have picked up a uh, UCLA uh, t-shirt somewhere along the line. And uh, we see Baz- Basil, the dog, is there. And also, uh, yeah, also Jennifer. Uh, not so TNA-ish here. Uh, and I think uh, we're going to talk about the art a little bit later, but it, it looks a lot better. Anyway, Jennifer's saying... Besides, I think our two atomic knights could use a lift. Uh, So they uh, get into the flying wing and they take off and it says, Over the ruins of the great metropolis, once known as Motor City. Sit back and relax, Doug. We'll have you and Gardner back at your knight headquarters in no time. Kevin is quite a navigator, says somebody. Uh, So anyway, they're uh, flying from Detroit. Now, they're... Flying across all of Lake Erie because, you know, people keep keep getting this mixed up that Detroit is actually on Lake Erie. It's not on Lake Ontario. And so I, I'm wondering if this happened here. But anyway, it says, soon along the west bank of Lake Ontario, home sweet home, says one of the Atomic Knights. There's the landing strip up ahead, Kevin. And there, uh, there's a town down below. And there's people that are kind of in farm clothes. They look like cowboy type people. And they're wearing overalls. And there's a couple young women who are wearing halter tops and short shorts because that's the way women dress in the country. They're getting ready to land and the, the, the plane is tilting in a weird way. And, and Hercules says, what manner of landing is this? We're tilting. It's called stunt flying and I don't like it, says Jennifer. Kevin, you know how easily I get airsick. But uh, we just see Kevin, his eyes are, are glowing in a weird way. And the, the caption says... Jennifer's voice is not needed, for the boy is impassive as he spins the aircraft, except for a strange glow in his eyes. This is no time to pretend you're the great Waldo Pepper. Kevin! And Kevin decides to uh, shoot this uh, mysterious energy beam out of his hand. He's glowing with this sort of fire, and he shoots the atomic knights with his energy beam and knocks a big hole in the plane. (laughs) He says... You two knights are so anxious to reach the ground. Let me assist. And he blows them out of the plane with his energy beam. And and Hercules is going, Great Olympus! And uh, there's a uh, giant roll of electrical cable, um, which is apparently meant to repair the plane if it breaks, because cable, that's really important on an airplane. Uh, Anyway, uh, there's a big spool of cable, and Hercules says, My two comrades plummeting to a certain doom, unless a combination of my strength and a well-measured aim can save them. And he makes a giant lasso out of the uh, this cable, and he does the sort of a cowboy thing. Then he wraps up the atomic knights in this cable with a whang, and uh, manages to rescue them. And uh, yeah, so then he says, his feet firmly secured to the damaged fuselage, Hercules swings his mighty arms with just enough precision so that the cable slammed the pair of atomic knights into the liquid safety of Lake Ontario. Just as the sudden upswing in the flying wings flight path catapults a third victim into the treacherous sky. So, uh, yeah, so he was kind of doing this out the hole of the airplane. And now Hercules is falling outside the airplane as well. And he's uh, in free fall here. And he says, by the gods, I've been shaken loose. 
And then we shift uh, back to inside the airplane where uh, Basil and Jennifer are being kind of tossed around by the G-forces and there's energy pouring out of Kevin and Jennifer is saying, Kevin, stop it, please. And the caption says, again, Jennifer's plea is ignored for the good-natured blind boy known as Kevin has taken on the stature of a nightmarish monster. A monster who can infuse an entire flying wing with a kind of raw power. Evil, destructive power, capable of anything. And we see there's energy pouring out of the, the jet engines of the flying wing and cascading off the off the edge of the wingtips. And yeah, and, and it says here, even the creation of deadly Thunderbolt missiles. So it, yeah, it's created missile launchers and it's... Uh, shooting missiles down with a baram. And in the meantime, we see Hercules. He falls down uh, and he eventually hits the ground and uh, strikes the earth. And uh, the Atomic Knights have made it safely to the ground at this point and apparently managed to untie themselves from the cable that Hercules wrapped around them. And uh, Gardner Grail is there and he's saying, uh, the wing is strafing our headquarters with enough firepower to bury us ten times over, says a, a bystander. And we uh, shift scene to uh, where Hercules fell into the ground. There's a big crater where he fell. Meanwhile, one of the plummeting hulk of a man who plunged into the ground with catastrophic force. A certain death for any other man or beast. Of that there can be no doubt. But for this outrageously stout fellow, a mere inconvenience. And Hercules is crawling up out of this big hole. And he's uh, saying out loud, Kevin has taken leave of his mind. Therefore, I must take action, lest harm befall Jennifer and the dog. And it says, as the lethal flying wing unleashes another barrage of fiery destruction, muscles worthy of a god flex and uncoil for an incredible leap and landing on the dry bank dozens of yards distance. So yeah, so basically Hercules just jumps and he jumps to where there's this giant rock. This boulder shall serve my purpose, says Hercules. And he lifts it up over his head with both hands and he says, now my eye and my timing must be as true as my strength. And up above we see the flying wing is kind of dancing around and he's still strafing the village and all this stuff. It says, uh, above the aircraft cavorts like an insane bird. Insane bird. And below, a Herculean toss sends the giant rock into the lake, which in turn sends a spectacular splash straight up into the air, intercepting the enemy. I don't think that's how splashes work. I'd be, he would have been better off just throwing the rock at the plane. But anyway, so the, it's, anyway, there's a big wave and it, it hits the plane, which is silly. But anyway, all right. And uh, the plane uh, is engulfed in flames as a result of this and uh, starts to, uh, to, come, to come to a landing, crash landing. You did it, Hercules, says Gardner. Whatever Kevin's power is, it's short-circuiting. You forced it down. And, it, and the plane is kind of bouncing along the ground. Like like a ball? So that's very strange. Yes, I pray there are survivors, says Hercules. I pray Jennifer and the dog, and Kevin too, are alive. And we shift scenes, and we see these weird shadow negative god Greek things. So they're like Greek gods, and they're, they're black. Kind of the way... You've seen the, the classic Greek amphoras and stuff with, when, where they're showing all the characters in black. I think that's the effect that they're going for. Um, but, but anyway, they're kind of like negative beings. So they, they're like these glowing black beings where, where all the, the lines are white instead of black. And uh, one of them is saying, Look at them, pulling the vermin from the machine with such concern. They still consider the creature known to them as Kevin a friend. 
And uh, the caption tells us, You are now on Mount Olympus in the divine presence of they who are the gods, none more awesome than the mighty Zeus. And uh, so this is apparently Zeus, and he's looking through a, uh, a globe of energy, TV screen, cosmic voyeur scope, whatever you want to call it. I have seen enough. Enough to know the situation on Earth has become most grave. Oh, and one of the gods, uh, I believe it's Athena, says, I fear we have made a grave error, Zeus. We should have confided in your son Hercules. You forgot, Athena. Hercules had a mortal mother. Could half a god have endured the truth about us and the anti-gods? The time has passed for retrospection. The anti-gods grow stronger even as we speak. Yet we can do precious little else but speak amongst ourselves as long as Mount Olympus remains trapped in this temporal storm. So maybe the, yeah, maybe the gods just look weird because of this uh, weird temporal storm thing. I, I guess that could be the case. The ethereal forces of the storm have made us prisoners in our own domain. True, Zeus, yet if we combine our mental forces, we should be able to project a mystic bolt to earth. If the bolt does not reach the intended target, we shall have lost our only means of warning Hercules. Faith, Athena. Without it, we gods are as helpless as our mortal children. And we get to see uh, an outside view of Olympus as a very steep hill. Uh, more like a, a steeple on a church or something. And there's, uh, you know, Greek temples kind of all the way up the sides. And uh, we shift scenes and we're back on Earth and we are actually, I guess, in the airplane or somewhere near the airplane because we have Kevin and he is still alive. And it says here, at the very same moment on Earth, a blind boy named Kevin opens his unseeing eyes and utters with uncertainty, Hercules? Hercules? Why have you got me tied down? I'm your best pal. <laughs> oh, my. How could you do this to me after all we've been through? And we see that uh, Kevin is chained very sturdily down. He's got a big, like, metal cuff around his waist, and there's uh, taut chains kind of holding him in place. His arms are, are outstretched on either side of him, and he's kind of kneeling on his, uh, on his knees on the ground. Hercules did it for your own protection, son, says Gardner Grail. Something turned you into a holy terror inside that flying wing. And we have a shot here of Hercules with his, fa with his uh, face obscured by his hand as he is talking to uh, the camera. I do not blame you, Kevin, but until we can determine what manner of evil possessed you, you must be restrained. And just at that moment, uh, the, the bolt shot from Olympus hits Jennifer, as says here, a proverbial bolt from the blue finds a target. And she's like, oh, and Hercules is like, Jennifer, a pair of glowy, kind of almost Kirby crackly eyes appears above uh, Jennifer's head. And it says, uh, awestruck, Hercules speaks to one only he can sense. Athena, you are speaking to me through this mortal. The earth is in terrible danger, man god, and even we on Olympus cannot stop it. You are the planet's only hope. You must destroy the deadly scourge now while you are still able. But even as Athena's words fill Hercules' hearing, the campfire suddenly crackles and sparks with an unearthly brilliance, as it seems to take on a life of its own. What scourge, Athena? I do not understand. You must do as we say. You must. 
and uh, they're interrupted by a giant pink dinosaur fire-breathing thing. Yeah, it looks a lot like what the one on the cover, except on the one on the cover is sort of a brownish color, and this is a very bright magenta. So anyway, this giant magenta dinosaur comes out. Uh, it's sort of like a evil fire-breathing Barney. <laughs> it's not quite the same color as Barney, but it's close enough. Anyway, it says, Before the goddess can complete her command, a nightmare rises up in a swell, malevolent sound and fury. I love you. You love me. Oh, Hercules like, By the gods. And the gardener girl says, I don't think your gods could have anything to do with that. I never believed we'd meet a fire-breathing dragon, says the other atomic knight, and uh, yeah, uh, much less a fire-breathing Barney. And anyway, uh, so the fire-breathing Barney uh, shoots uh, lava or fire or something, and it's kind of engulfing Hercules. He's deflecting it from the other people, uh, sort of. So the the atomic knights are kind of caught in there. Jennifer's there too, and uh, Grail says, Believe it or not, Doug, it's happening. Our armor's starting to melt. I will protect you, Jennifer, says Hercules. And he uh, whisks the girl to safety, it says. And then he uh, turns around and he is attacking this uh, fire-breathing dragon. It says, flames cannot harm my armored demon, nor can they harm my fighting spirit. And Hercules jumps up on the dinosaur's head and starts whamming on it with his fists. And it says, but the flaming terror answers back with a devastating rage all his own causing Hercules to recoil in agony. Uh, We see that uh, he's actually been whacked by the dinosaur's tail, which uh, I guess makes sense. Hurling the son of Zeus into the ground with the force of a plunging meteor. Yet he rises again, bruised and battered, and with a glimmer of an idea roiling in his mind. Sometimes it is not always best to fight fire with fire, when dirt will suffice instead. Hercules picks up these big rocks and he starts smashing them on the ground. He says, It is a simple matter to pulverize a few of these giant boulders and create my own dust storm. And so he creates uh, this big pile of of crushed rock dust. And it says, uh, with the bellowing of lungs mighty enough to topple forests, Eat the dust, flame demon, and smother in it. And he uh, blows all the um, all the dust onto Barney the dinosaur with his super breath. This is something new. Apparently, he has super breath like Superman. But anyway, he uh, he smothers this uh, Barney wannabe in, in dust. And it says here, uh, but while the demonic dragon dwindles away to nothingness, uh, one of the atomic knights uh, gets her Hercules' attention. Hercules, hurry, this way. And uh, Jennifer is laying there and... Um, She's just lying there motionless, and he's like, Jennifer! I'm afraid she's dead, says Gardner, but there's not a mark on her. It's as if the fire dragon scared her to death. And Hercules does not react well to this. He's, he's smashing the rocks and going, Arrgh! Uh, and uh, yeah, so he's not very happy about this. Uh, we see Kevin, and he's um, kind of still trussed up, and he's going, Hercules! And it says here, uh, Upon hearing the sobbing whisper of the only other mortal close to his heart. Forgive me for the chains, Kevin, says Hercules, and he rips the chains off of him. The evil scourge that possessed you has been destroyed, but only at the expense of poor Jennifer. That must have been what the wise Athena was warning us about. Thus, in the secluded graveyard of the Atomic Knights, a beautiful young spirit is forever laid to rest, as tear-filled eyes gaze upon Jennifer's casket. Yet Kevin's eyes hold something more than tears. Something evil that has already killed once and lives to kill again. 
and his eyes start to glow, and he goes running off back towards the flying wing. <laughs> of course. And uh, Hercules is like, Kevin, why is he running off? I have seen that ominous glow before. He's heading for the flying wing. And so, uh, yeah, so Kevin gets aboard the, uh, the flying wing, and he takes off again, somehow very quickly taking off without an airstrip. But anyway... Uh, Hercules is grabbed onto the back of the flying wing and he's just holding on to it. The atomic knights are watching from a distance and they say, May your gods be with you, Hercules. I think you're going to need them. And uh, the, the plane is flying really, really, really fast. And it says, Halfway around the world, the flying wing streaks above an ocean, a fight that ends in a desperate splashdown off the shore of a small island in the Mediterranean. Calling upon boundless stamina, Hercules pulls an unconscious Kevin from the wreckage while he gazes at the hauntingly familiar shoreline ahead. And yes, it is where Hercules was bound, the rock that he was chained to. And he says, it's the rock I was chained to for so many eons. And uh, the last scene in Hercules issue number one. This is also where I first saw Kevin. Why would he come back here? And he turns around to, uh, to look at Kevin and... Uh, I guess he's just kind of laid him on the beach, and he's like, Kevin! And Kevin is not there. It is this weird, twisted version of one of the gods, and it's uh, supposed to be Ares, who was the villain in the first couple of issues of the series, but it sure doesn't look like him. So maybe uh, this is one of the anti-gods that they talked about, but he goes, Nay, Hercules, call me by my proper name, Ares! God of war, I have led you to the rock that freed you, the same rock that shall destroy you, the rock that will unleash the anti-gods. And that is Hercules Unbound, number 11. Next issue is the last one. And we have the credits here at the end of the story. Carrie Bates was the writer, Walt Simonson was the artist, and the colorist was Jerry Serpy. And that's it. And we'll be talking about this issue right after this message. Space. The final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast Gimme That Star Trek. It's ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek. To seek out new guests and new opinions. To boldly go where many have gone before. Star Trek, a new episode every month only at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes. And we're back, and of course we have a few things to say about the issue. First of all, I think that this is a better issue overall. But it is, of course, a case of too little, too late. The, the book at this point you know, has already been canceled. Um, you know, next issue is the last issue, so they need to wrap this up. Um, there are a number of things that are noteworthy about the issue. First of all, we've got Simonson. He's inking himself. The Simonson style now is very evident. It was being covered before by inferior inkers. You know, as much as I, I hate to say that about Bob Layton, who, you know, became a much better artist later, you know, he, he was not a good inker for, for Simonson. But the, the artwork actually is pretty decent in this issue. I mean, there's still a lot of wonkiness, but the wonkiness in, in this issue, I think, is more 
they're more stylistic choices than anything else. I, I don't think that this is a, you know ineptitude here. I think that we are actually just getting a uh, stylized uh, version of, of Hercules that we haven't had before. The, the people, the figures, they're all much better than they were before. Uh, Hercules looks particularly good. I, I can see what they're trying to go for here is that they're actually trying to make the, the series look decent and maybe kind of try to rescue the, the series because I'm sure at this point they knew it was going to get canceled. Um, so we have, a, uh, again, a, a story that doesn't make a lot of sense. They go all the way to Detroit. They uh, create a new armor for Hercules and then immediately go back to the shores of Lake Ontario. Uh, you know, there were steel mills in Cleveland, which are a lot closer than Detroit. They could have gone there. <laughs> but of course they weren't going to think about that, were they? No, so they, they just go all the way to Detroit for no damn reason. What is going on with uh, Kevin being able to see Hercules in the uh, first uh, couple pages, thinking that his, his armor looks super? Okay, um, yeah, all right. I think that they kind of made a, a bit of a mistake there. Carrie Bates is kind of a, yeah... I don't know, being careless. Um, we don't have as much TNA in this issue, though we, we do have a, a quote-unquote pretty girl face now on Jennifer, um, and uh, they've kind of toned down the, the overt boobs and butt a little bit, um, which, is, which is a good thing, I, I think. It's not really something you need in a book like this. I, I can see that Wally would, would have enjoyed working on that because he really liked that kind of uh, art style. The other, the other weird thing is that the word balloons in this issue are all weird shaped. They're, they're not like what we had before. I guess it's closer to what we had at the very beginning of the series, but it's not like what we've had in past issues. So it's, it's very strange. And I think maybe, I don't know, is it maybe a Simonson thing that he just was trying to do something a little bit different? I'm okay with that as long as it works. But, but by and large, I think that the, the story, well, it, it makes a little bit more sense than what we've had so far. It, it's not, uh, it still doesn't really follow logically why they had to go all the way to Detroit to make this armor or why just all of a sudden Hercules decides he's going to tear down the, 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 the steel mill on top of them. Another big mistake here is that they're, they're clearly in a steel mill. They're not in a car factory. They don't have steel smelting facilities in the car factories and so when that that line comes up about which of the which of the car factories is this um yeah that that doesn't make any sense at all the, you know, they didn't make the steel to make cars in the factory in G gm or ford or any of the other places uh, so clearly it's supposed to be a steel mill uh, just I think Kerry Bates doesn't really know how steel mill works. Uh, then again, he doesn't seem to understand that Detroit is on Lake Erie and not on Lake Ontario. But hey, uh, what can you say? I mean, it's a very uneven DC comic from the late 1970s. So <laughs> what do you know? Anyway, uh, the Atomic Knights kind of useless here. They're, they really don't do anything. Uh, they get blasted out of a plane and they, they guide uh, the evil Kevin and everybody back to their, their home base. Wow, uh, that, that's really effective. I don't know if they're in the next issue. I'm kind of hoping at this point that they're gone uh, because the Atomic Knights, I think, are kind of stupid. The Flying Wing just kind of being able to take off from anywhere without an a airfield, without a runway, um, without any preparation, without refueling. It's 
all very silly, and I know you're not supposed to think about it. It's a comic book, but I can't help but think about that kind of thing. Yeah, because especially when Kevin goes goes racing off, and all of a sudden is halfway to you know the Mediterranean. It just uh, yeah, I don't know how fast these flying wing things are, but I somehow don't think that they can get to the Mediterranean in, in just a couple of panels. But hey, that's that's comics for you, and a kind of sloppily written comic at that. Um, but again, you know that's why it got canceled. Um, the cowboy village that the Atomic Knights live in, I, I don't remember this from the Atomic Knights series, but I could be wrong about that. Um, there are a couple of things that do work. I actually kind of like this uh, page where Hercules takes the steel cable and he kind of lassoes the Atomic Knights and, and keeps them from, from being crushed on the rocks. Um, that That's kind of a cool panel. Um, we have the other characters... I think behaving in a fairly logical way, um, even if the things that they're encountering are not very logical, I guess. Um, the, the the super breath thing, I don't really buy that. that that's something that uh, you, know, you, you do expect that from Monel or from Superman or from you know somebody from Krypton, but you don't expect that from Hercules. I think that Hercules is not a super breath kind of character, much in the same way that the thing would not be a, a super breath kind of character. I think that you can be a strong character without having that kind of an ability. And, and so, yeah. So I'm not really buying it. Uh, overall, I will say this is a better issue than, than the ones that we've had most recently. But like I said, it's, it's too little too late. Next time's the last one. And then we will be permanently done with uh, Hercules Unbound, which I'm sure is going to excite most of you. All right, so uh, yeah, uh, that's about it for this week. Thanks again, folks, for listening. We really do appreciate it. You can join uh, the conversation over on our Facebook page. Uh, look for Radio Free Asgard on Facebook, or you can email us at radiofreeasgard at gmail.com, and we'll read out your email on the show. We are still accepting comments about uh, Avengers Endgame, of course, or any other past episode. Uh, like I said, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, though I, I, that might be a couple weeks from now after more people have had a chance to see the film. All right. Uh, so with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.